with that, we begin the Mind Body Health Program with our host, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Hello there, Marvin. Good morning, Cobb. How are you? I'm doing well. So we have Arlene Flores, who's a resident who's going to be doing the show today. So, good morning, Arlene. Good morning. So, Dr. Flores, how did you get from L.A. to Mendocino County? Um, so, in terms of, I'm like, we drove here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I decided to uh, pursue medicine when as an adult. Uh, prior to that, I worked in the fashion industry for about 15 years. And... Um, uh, at one point, as I was just, you know, prancing along happily in my career, uh, I was also at the time getting ready to, we were kind of thinking of starting a little small record label, everything was going to be, you know, fine and dandy, and then my mom got colon cancer, and it sort of halted my life. And I had this realization that I wanted to practice medicine, or pursue that path at least, and, you know, sort of started chipping away at it little by little and eventually got into med school went through med school you know struggled through med school Everybody <laughs> graduated <does>. yes right. <laughs> and um i was lucky enough to get a position here and or at ukiah uh, adventist health ukiah valley and this is how i'm here yeah so i thought it was interesting that um uh, you were in design first, and I don't think we've ever had a guest that was into design before they went to medical school. H- how did how did you get into design? Uh, well, that also just sort of happened upon me. Um, I was I was um, I, as a young teenager, I would go out to clubs, and I would like to put my own outfits together. And then uh, one day, I was. Uh, I had just quit or finished working at one job and I met this woman who liked what I was wearing and she asked me if I wanted to come work for her and from there you know I met other people and I ended up working with this one designer for about 15 years I was originally in the design department and it was great but you have to be there you know it's basically like being an intern your whole life. You have to be there at all times. So then I moved. It was a small company, so I moved into the more administrative area when I decided to go back to school. And that was, um, so I got to learn a lot about the business of, of you know, design and, and running a fashion business as well. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we discussed coming over was that you're a DO, mm-hmm. and 25% of physicians are doctors of osteopathic medicine. And that was a Is very that what DO stands for? Yes. So okay. that stands for a doctor of osteopathic medicine. Yeah. And that was a big difference 30 years ago, but I don't see that there's hardly any difference between MD and DO now. And we were discussing that I don't think there is. But tell us the difference. I mean, from my perspective, you know, I I did not go through, through allopathic school, but um, everything that we learn is exactly the same thing that you learn in MD school. Um, we learn an additional technique called um, osteopathic, uh, it's OMT, so osteopathic manipulative technique, where we can help with... Um, any sort of issues, like with musculoskeletal issues, we can help with fascial plane issues, um, and we have to do about 200 hours of that practice as wow. well. 
and then we um, but in terms of that you know additional practice we we don't you know everything else DOMD is yeah. pretty much the same yeah. yeah we have a lot of people in the ER and at the and at UVMC that are DOs that I you know there's you know have see no difference at all um, 30 years ago I, I think there was only a few schools but there's a lot more schools now and I was surprised that 25% of physicians now are uh, DO graduates. Yeah, actually, the school I went to, you know, they were one of the early ones to come to um, Cal back to California, and um, they just kind of opened up in a little strip mall, and they expanded into a big health sciences campus. At this point, they have like the DO school. They also have um, vet. Like anything oh, really? you can think of is yeah. there, dental, optometry. And then they opened another one in Oregon, so it's, it's growing. This is in Southern California, yeah. But now they opened a new school in Oregon, same same, com you know, same owner. What's the company called? It's uh, Western University of Health Sciences, and the, the school is uh, the College of Osteopathic Medicine. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, I, I just want to step back a okay. little bit and Sorry. set up our context for okay. listeners, Marvin. So uh, as we go into this, will you just outline the uh, the residency program here? At okay. I think it's the um, savior of all of Northern California. Um, a lot of people work to get the residency program going. And so what you do after you finish medical school, you do a three-year uh, internship and residency in the topic that you want. Fortunately, Dr. Flores has decided on primary care because there's not nearly en enough primary care doctors in the world anymore. Everybody, is, a lot of people go through a to a specialty. But now we have our own residency program in Ukiah, which is a huge thing for Mendocino and Humboldt County and Lake County. So every year there's six people like Dr. Flores that come and start their three-year program here. So she's going to be here for three years doing everything in the world. You would not have, you would not believe all the scheduling that she has for inpatient, outpatient specialties. They spend a month, she's looking at spending a month at the Boonville Clinic mm -hmm. as a physician. Cool. Um, and after all that, she'll take her boards and she'll be board certified in family practice. Got it. And, How did and I do? Did I do you did a really great job. Yeah, yes. and, and if I could, will you spell out just how significant that is, oh. being a rural area well, and family practice doctor? Only 7% so of physicians end up practicing in a rural area. And when I went to medical school, only about 5% of the physicians were women and 52% of the women. 52% of medical schools now are females. And... Um, you know, when your husband has a job and so-and-so, it's tough to come to a rural area um, for anybody, but especially, uh, I think, female physicians. So the fact that we desperately need primary care, it's one thing to be an orthopedist or an anesthesiologist, but most people need a primary care doctor. And um, it's been shown if you have a primary care doctor, you have a 15% better chance of living to old age because of all the good care for preventative medicine that primary care does. Primary care, though, and I was an internist doing primary care for five years in Ukiah, you have to know everything about everything. People come mm -hmm. into your office about diabetes, hypertension, COPD, you know, everything. And it's a, it's an, a very important thing for rural Mendocino County to have a residency program. 
So how did you decide on primary care instead of ENT? Um, <laughs> uh, the reason that, that primary care was so interesting to me was really because of what you said. You know, like I in, in medical school, we have to rotate through different um, core like uh, uh, practices or specialties. And so when I did primary care, it was really the one that was the most interesting to me because you get a lot of for me, I, I got a lot of patient contact, and then you kind of don't know what's going to come in, you know, and even if it says something on the sheet, like it'll say they're here for whatever it is, it's usually something else, and I think the part of getting to know a little bit about everything and knowing where to get the knowledge if you need to know a little bit more about stuff is what drew me. And so far, you know, and all of the other, like, rotations that I did in medical school, I really liked them, but this one, for me, was just the most exciting, you know, and especially getting that patient contact, because I love getting to know people, I love talking to patients, and so that was huge for me. I've always thought, as you know, as an internal medicine doctor, you usually do the everybody's over 65 that you're seeing. But in family practice, you have to know everything about yeah. OBGYN, pediatrics, internal medicine. It's right. Yeah, you have to know a little bit of all of it, and that's why in the program, you know, we get, like, a lot of OB, we get a lot of, you know, there's, and there are some, I think in rural areas, but even in LA, I, one of the physicians that I worked with, he was still delivering babies, you know, in Los Angeles, you know, I think he had just stopped like a year before because he had a new kid of his own or something, but yeah, you get a lot of different ex experience and little things. So you can like sew up a wound, mm -hmm. you can help people with their diabetes. <laughs> And just to go back on the significance of this primary care program, residency program here in, in Mendocino County, primary care physician availability is pretty much rare, urban or rural otherwise, nationwide, right? Yes, there's not enough primary care everywhere. Period. She can go work anywhere and she wants to. Right. And then it becomes doubly or more significant that in this program's in Mendocino County yes. because it's a rural area. The studies show about a third to a half of the people end up practicing where they do their residency. And wow. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and that's the one of the goals of the program is to get at least 30% of the residents to stay here. Right. And I kind of think it's going to work, you know. It seems... Well, one of the things she said that I just tickled up driving over here is you're in your house... Oh yeah, everything was, is fine, and then was, you go yeah. outside and there's like mountains all around. Yeah, I mean like trees everywhere. Because I forget, like I if I'm in my house, I think I'm still in Pasadena, and then I walk as I'm walking to work because I live really close to the hospital. I'm like, there's trees all around me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that's that's great. But it, but what I'm trying to bring up is exposure. Yeah, yeah. She would have never thought I about doing a primary care yeah. in rural Mendocino County unless she did a residency here. Yeah, right. Yeah, I never would have even known about, you know, the... I mean, I knew about the area, but I wouldn't even have been a thought in my mind. And driving over here from Ukiah, which direction are we going? Yeah. Where, you know, where's Boonville? It was... I didn't know where we were, basically. So the gem of it is that not only is it an amazing experience to get some primary care doctors over here, but we're... Mendocino County's now got, like, 24 at a time at any given moment or 18 18 
residency care, right. primary care doctors. Seeing patients in the office and in the hospital, so which is a huge, huge. Right. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm sure that Mendocino County alone needs 25 new physicians in primary care. I'm up in Covalo, and Steve Johnson, who was a PA in the Covalo Clinic for the last 10 years, just retired. He's my age. And finding a primary care physician that wants to come to Covalo is pretty damn hard. It's, it's hard to find them to come to Ukiah. Right. So I've got kind of a fun game we could maybe play. I'm going to put both of you on the spot just oh, a no. little bit oh. here. Yeah, oh, no. Well, well, as a primary care doctor, you know, people that are maybe new to the program, Mind Body Health here in KZYX, okay. and we know you, Marvin, but if they don't, you're at ER. I was trained as an internal medicine doctor that worked in the ER a lot. Right, and yeah. now you're working up in Cobola. Right. But today... Today, you get to play the patient for our intrepid doctor here because you were telling us about um, what, what were you diagnosed with? Something with your back. I'd, uh, this would be like if you had a patient okay, yeah. come in. So, Dr. Flores. Oh, no. <laughs> I just went to Hawaii on my PG&E money, and as I was getting out of the ocean, a little wave came, five or six foot wave, and caused what Dr. Loato says was a header. I just it pushed i hit my head top of my scalp took my hair off um and i did a header and now i'm having pain in both of my arms and my trapezius muscles from from all, when i my head hit the beach it went pop 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 i think that was my cervical spine and wow. um being hard headed i waited 2 days to come back and get my ct scan in ukiah and i don't have a fracture but i'm still having all this pain down my shoulders and arms okay. what's going on <laughs> so it sounds like you're having some issues with your uh, cervical you're having some impingement on your nerves in the cervical area probably from the um, from the impact and you know that's yeah, yeah. There's and not a lot, just to be clear with our listeners, there's not a lot of real doctoring we can do in the studio here right. because it involves, <laughs> you know, touching our patients and all, them. you but know, I, taking a break, doing some research. Right. I'm, so right. not to put you too hard no. on the spot, but you got a, some kind of diagnosis. Yeah, I gave myself one. I think most <laughs> of the listeners would understand sciatica because sciatica is... Uh, it's exactly that, yeah. yeah. But it's in your lower back. You want to discuss... Yeah, so sciatica would be like an impingement um, in your lower cervical area, and that can cause like uh, numbness, tingling, and pain all the way down to your knee or below your knee. And many of my patients come in with sciatica. Yeah, it's been. Some, mm. And what once yeah, what you is, get a diagnosis? Yeah, what is that, and what are the various treatments and strategies for treating some of that? Well, think of yourself, you're 300 pounds, and you walk around a lot, and your poor little discs, or if you sit, sitting is actually much worse for your back than, than walking. But you have a desk job, you, you're overweight, and you um, have a lot of pressure on your discs. Like she said, it pushes against the sciatic nerve. The so discs are the little cushions. Cushions, little shock absorbers between your bone. In your spine. In your spine. Got Sorry. it. And that pushes on your sciatic nerve, and you have all this pain down your leg. There's nothing wrong with your leg. It's coming from your back. 
because the nerves are going through that spine and they're getting pinched and right. stuff. Right, and you can take got pain it. pills. Then you can get addicted to the pain pills. You can go to some people go to surgery and get yeah. a laminectomy and the disc pulled off the nerve. But sometimes, it's a terrible disease. And sometimes it's just time, you know, and it's like stretches. There's like a lot of YouTube videos on stretches that you can do, and you know. As a OMM uh, student, I've had to learn a couple of, you know, points that you know we can do to try to help. But sometimes it's just a matter of time, and then some people end up with chronic, and that's when you have to go and, you know, go into those more extensive treatments like working with pain management and and possibly getting a surgery, you know, surgery. surgery. And so hopefully she can do some movement stuff on me after the show and help my neck. <laughs> so where are you? I mean, what's your treatment been then for this, for you, Marvin? Um, physical therapy, mm-hmm. some stretches. I do okay during the day. At sleeping at night, I think it's where my neck is on the pillow and all. And it's fairly boring and painful. And like she says, most of the time, I've had sciatica two or three times in the past, and you get over it in a few days. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'll get over it. this. I'm better than I was a week ago. Got it. But there's better things. There's, that was interesting. I don't think I've ever been a patient on the show before. <laughs> Thanks for playing along, especially to our, our guest doctor, Arlene Flores. But this is what one of the differences in, between DO and MD. She did 200 hours of this stuff. Yeah. Um, At the time, you know, it was really annoying because I was trying to study for exams. But then it's nice to have that as an option for some people. And even if I, I feel a little out of practice, you know, I'd be much better at doing it than somebody who hasn't had those. Because it's muscle memory, so it sort of yeah. comes back. Uh-huh. And I would just look up, like, what would help with this, and I'd be able to go and, like, try a couple things. Oh, got it. Yeah. So you're a little bit specialized in terms of musculoskeletal <laughs> yes. care. You know, some skills. She got a whole lot more than I did as, as yeah. when I was in medical school. Huh. Um, it wasn't even talked about. Just want to put it out there, everyone. You're tuned to KZYX. Uh, this is the Mind Body Health Show with Dr. Marvin Trotter. My name's Kyle. I'm engineering in the studio with them. And our guest today is Dr. Arlene Flores. And, and we're also highlighting the residency care okay. program. And um, we'll take listener calls. Right. So that number, before we get that far, I just want to put the number out there to our audience. So if you have a question for either of our doctors here in the studio, the number to call is 707-895-2448. That's 895-2448. We'll bring you live into the studio with your question. I'd like to talk a little bit about the loss of your mother from colon cancer. And could you talk to us about preventative measures or why, why is there so much colon cancer in the U.S. and not Africa? Um, well, I think that has a lot to do with what we're finding, is it has a lot to do with our diet. Um, you know, the American diet is highly processed, and all of those things, everything that we take into our body is going to affect our body in some way, and so that's one of the one of the reasons. Um, I know that, yeah, yeah so like my mom uh, had colon cancer, and that was one of the things that, as I said, um, stirred my interest or pe- you know piqued my interest. I'm sorry about your mom, by the way. That's huge. Me too. I miss her, but um, <laughs> but.
but you know i'm here now so there was a you know it, it's, mm-hmm. it's evolved into something but i know when she was sick you know she had some signs that she actually she wasn't she was more distrustful of medicine so i think that that's what caused her to not do her colonoscopies and do the um the like you know i don't think that they had the fecal test at the time but you know she didn't want to do a colonoscopy because you know it's who does yeah nobody <laughs> does. does nobody does <laughs> but um you know she had been a smoker as, when she was growing up and that's one of the risks um there's like some some things that can increase the risk of getting colon cancer and that would be obesity and she was overweight you know she might have had a bmi over 30 which is considered obese um she did smoke uh cigarettes as a kid growing up um she smoked a lot less as she was older but you know that was already part of her situation um alcohol use is another thing that can increase risk um uh, drinking me- three or more alcoholic beverages per day can increase your risk oh. of colon cancer. Uh, lack of exercise, um, if you have type 2 diabetes. The one thing that none of us can control, which is age. You know, we're all going to age. And so late, um, recently, I think they've come up, it used to be 50 that they wanted you to start getting your um, colonoscopy, but they've reduced the age to 45 because they're seeing more um, people get colon cancer at a younger age, which I think is largely due to the diet and, you know, our habits. Yeah, and I'd like to step in and say I know four people that have been diagnosed with colon cancer this year. Um and that's amazing. One of them is young as 53. Yeah. And I do think a lot of it has to do with meat and processed foods. But getting screened. So tell us how to get screened for colon cancer. Well, I think the most common thing that we do right now is the fecal occult blood testing. Um, there's the Cologuard, which I believe does. Uh, it, it does two things. It checks for the... Um, for hidden sources of blood and then it also uh, does a DNA check and then there's some tests that are just the the fecal occult test and then really the colonoscopy is the other big one there's other things but I don't think they're used quite as often I don't know what you think about that like there's the CT but I don't know if that would really be used as screening Um, it's listed but I would say the right now the easiest thing to do is you know that fecal occult blood screen because it doesn't you know cause you any you don't have to go to the doctor just put your little sample in mail it in and that's like a huge you know that makes it's a lot easier it's yeah, not costing cheap and anything, a lot easier you know. the one thing about people that don't realize that with colon cancer you can have blood in your stool and your stools look normal Mm-hmm. You can have blood in your stool, and your stools look normal. It's not until you're hemorrhaging from a stomach ulcer that you get these black, tarry, obviously something's terrible stools. So the colon, colon screening, like you say, it's for the DNA from the tumor, but also for the stool blood, is something easy to do. Colonoscopies, uh, Richie Fetzer would not get a colonoscopy. So I had my second one with Richie Fetzer. We went through it. Together. Together. It's a very bonding thing. And once you have a clean one, you don't need one for 10 years. Yeah, Yeah. and that's the same thing. My own personal experience is like, well, 
I don't want to get a colonoscopy either, but I have made a pact with my siblings that when we go, we're going to go together because we don't. Because it's just, you know, it does not seem fun. So I want to step us back just a little bit. So I get colon cancer is a pretty significant, potentially fatal disease, potentially very preventable. Very preventable. Yeah. And um, part of that is screening. Mm Mm-hmm. And what age are these screening measures highly recommended right now for both uh, uh, body types? Um, I, from what I read, it's forty-five now. Yeah, yeah. about forty-five. Which, which years seems old. very young. It used to be fifty-five it was 50, or something. Yeah, or fifty. But there's more and more colon cancer in younger people. And and colonoscopy is the one we hear about. But just really quick, what is that's a surgical intervention, oh. right, Marvin? Or, she can. Yeah, or Doctor Flores. So here. yeah, so basically, it's it's just a small camera that um, you're usually under some sort of um, anesthesia or like a medication that's going to make you very drowsy and you really won't fe- remember that you that if you had any pain or anything and it's just a camera and it just checks all you know you're basically getting a small tube with a camera on it that's checking the colon for any abnormal growths Mm-hmm. And the the idea with colonoscopy, first of all, my first one was terrible, but my second one now you just Gatorade yourself to death. It isn't some terrible prep. You just yeah. drink lots of yeah, fluids. Yeah, the hardest you don't part for a lot of people is right. the prep. And for, it used to the be test. these like right. giant jugs um, that you have mm-hmm. to drink and you're just sitting in the bathroom. But I think they've, you know, as time goes easier, on, it gets better. Yeah. yeah. So what you're looking for is most of these cancers start out as a little polyp. So think of a little lollipop in your colon mm-hmm. that's just sitting there. And they go up and they snip it off at the base. Yeah. And that's it. Right. But it's, if it sits there for 10, ten years and turns into cancer, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you can get outside of the colon, into your liver, up, up everywhere, and it becomes a mess and you can't control it. So that's where this screening process improves not only our quantity of life potentially but our quality of life right yeah, just like you check prostate specific antigens for guys getting prostate cancer and mammography for women yeah mm-hmm. it does and like with my mom you know she like i said she was because she had that um distrust of medicine had she caught it earlier she would have you know, she could still be here, really. Right. You don't. You don't know that for sure. But, well, but, no. But, but she statistics was, show that it's yeah. significant. So right. when they caught hers, she was already at stage four. So it had right. went to other areas. But it would have improved her chances right. of still being here. Yes, Got it. Possibility. What, what surprises me: two of the people I know had some rectal bleeding for over six months before they got checked. If you have rectal bleeding, it's not always hemorrhoids. Yeah, and you know, go get checked out. So, so a lot easier early on. One I want to come back to then was the other screening method you mentioned, which is the the stool test. Yeah. Right? So a lot of um, I know, like I had Kaiser, and they just automatically send you the a little sample thing in the mail, and you basically just you know after you go number two, you like get a sample from your toilet paper and you like yeah. put it on and stick it in there and then they'll test for any like hidden blood in your stool wow yeah so it'd be like microscopic blood right 
And to link this in with the significance of primary care, if I got this right, I'm kind of making a statement, but I mean no, it as a question. That's why if you have a primary care doctor, you live longer. Because you're going <laughs> to prompt your patients to like, hey, have you done these things? Exactly. We have, you know, the, pe- the patients that come uh, to their physician regularly. We know what screenings they need. We have a list. Usually the medical assistant will come in and say they need to get this, 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 and this. And they're going to make sure mm-hmm. that it gets done, you know. Sort of like vaccinations for little exactly. kids. Exactly. Right. And as far as um, insurance goes, I'm wondering if y'all are insurance experts here. Nope. It, what co- I mean, but <laughs> anybody for the pays most, for that. So, so primary it, care is one of those things that insurance yeah. usually covers one way or the other, or if you're on some kind of assistance insurance or the basic health plan at California, you get available primary care, correct? Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's all primary care. She told me a really funny story. Primary care in Los Angeles. And she went in the room and they had five kids. <laughs> oh yeah, and I said, tell, yeah, tell us yeah, I I had this one in downtown LA, and he ran a really crazy practice. And one day I walked in and I'm like, who's my patient? And there was like a family of a mom with like three kids, one and like one double stroller and two kids in the double so was like five kids and she was like, Here they are So like I had to see all five of them in a really short wow. period of time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how much time did you have to spend with your patients in that situation? Um, you know, it varied, and it just depends on the day, and because we had other students, like, it did allow me a little bit more time, but you had to be a little bit quicker than you normally would with one patient. Yeah. Yeah. How much time are you able to spend with your patients Right now? Yeah. So, for me, because I'm a new intern, I get to spend a little bit more time with them for a while, because I see um, four patients, uh, right now I'm at four patients per day, or per half day when I'm in the clinic. Mm -hmm. So, I get about uh, 20, 30 minutes to spend with them. Which is really a good amount of time, you know, like I think that for now. And then as I get, you know, quicker, then they shorten my time and that's the nature of it. But I think the general is probably about 15 minutes. I don't know. Do you agree with that? When I'm in Covalo or when I had a practice, it was about 15 minutes. Uh But you see, if you have a primary care doctor and you come in and you already know the patient, you already know that they're diabetic hypertensive and what medicines there are. And that's right. one of the things that, like, with my patients that I've been working to develop is, like, a lot of my patients will come in and they have a lot of things we need to talk about. So we'll say, okay, today we're going to talk about A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if there's any, obviously any urgent issues you're going to talk about first, but if there's something else they want to talk about, like, oh, I get this headache, I have this arm pain or whatever, it's like, okay, well, we'll talk about it next time because I want to make sure that we get to... um adequately address each thing you know and right. not just try to squeeze it all into one but it's not right. like the er that you never see the person again exactly. you get to have a relationship it's a relationship yeah. yeah and i think that's why she went into primary care because you really do get to know the family yes. and yeah. it's not just the mom and dad it's the kids and their interactions and that's what i think is special of primary care um is that you have exposure to the whole family right and yeah. makes I completely agree. And even now, like just being here two months, I've already seen some patients like two or three times. So like we've developed a relationship, you know, that we get to know them. I know more about them. I walk in, I see them and I'm like, hey, you know, how did that 
game go or whatever it yeah. was you know and so it's it just creates a better i think a you know it's just a better energy that's the only so, word I can so think. you know as as a physician how does that feel to be able to work with that and to get to know your patients for me it feels great because you know when i was a little kid growing up like i had the same doctor from when i was a child till i was an adult and he knew all the family mm-hmm. i think there's something that's you know is very positive about that because you come in and you know that they know you you know as a patient and for me getting to know patients while i like you know i like people so i like to know them i like to know their stories i like to know what they're struggling with and how i can help you know so all of that is like you know that that drives me so it's for me it's like win-win yeah and if you want to get in contact with dr flores (laughs) 467-5252 Four six seven five two five two, and that's why I think it's great because if you see Dr. Flores now, she's going to be here the next three years, right? You know, and if we get lucky, she'll stay. <laughs> so that's uh, an added benefit. But I do think we can take phone calls and yeah, the, the ask number, questions about hypertension or diabetes or whatever you like. Right. So you're tuning to KZYX Radio live on the air with Dr. Marvin Trotter and Dr. Arlene Flores here. And if you have a question as you've been listening to this show, you can call in. The number to call in is 707-895-2448. That's 895-2448, and we do have a call. Welcome to Mind Body Health. Yeah, you're live on the radio. Go ahead with your question. Uh, Simple question. I'll take the answer off the air for Dr. Trotter. What is PG&E money? Thank you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, if your house burns down and you've waited for five years, you're finally getting some money for the loss of your home. So we got half of our PG&E money. So that's why I was... So PG&E was held accountable for the fire damage in some respect. Right. And we're having a settlement money. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, again, 707-895-2448 is the number to call in. And so so I have a question about how much OB-GYN do you do? Are you trained in everything OB-GYN? Or? So I have not had that rotation yet, but f- like this year alone, I have three rotation three four week blocks of ob guys okay. so the goal is to have us be pretty you know yeah. equipped with being able you know, to handle that one thing i'd like to talk about it believe it or not okay we have another phone call i'll talk about it in a second okay welcome to mind body health you're live on the radio go ahead with your question are you there caller hello do you hear me yes, yes. you're live on the radio go ahead Okay, this is Dolly. Hi, Marvin. Hi, Dolly. Um, I'm just wondering if Dr. Flores is at all associated with Adventist Health because they have all my x-rays, and I'll take my answer on there. Thanks. Yes, I am associated with Adventist Health. Um, I'm with the residency program there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's completely they have all the records that you've ever been to the hospital or to another physician they have a pretty good um ehr system um i like it because i can look up everything ehr (coughs) yeah electronic health record okay 
And everything that's ever happened to you in Ukiah, she has access to. Yeah, so I can look back to, like, at least 10 years, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Um, here we go. Another question. You're live on the radio. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I was wondering, how did, how did you get the... Um, oh, now I'm forget the... the <laughs> To come down to Point Arena to the RCMS and Walala and stuff. Like, it seems like they're all and, up north and in Ukiah and everything. You, you know, um, to my knowledge, knowledge, the residency program has people come to Boonville, okay. Fort Bragg, or Covalo. To my knowledge, they haven't gone to Point Arena. Uh, it's a quite a drive to get to Point Arena, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, Point Arena has a wonderful clinic, but they need primary care just like everybody else. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, our program is is changing all the time, and they added a community or rural rotation. So it might just be that, the you know, the uh, places where they have relationships with. So, you know, it doesn't mean that it's off the table. <laughs> okay. so, so if listeners want to follow up and advocate, for some of these rural areas, is there a means to get a hold of Adventist Health and express it's, that? I would uh, contact the residency program. And um, Jody, I can't pronounce her. Parangao, yeah. Parangao is the boss of the program. She's very smart. And they work with different, you know, like the Covalo Clinic mm-hmm. and setting things up where they can spend a month there. But they pretty much need to house them and everything. Uh, to have them work there. You can't commute from Ukiah to Point Arena back every day. So it sounds like for listeners, they would need to contact their regular clinic and yeah, ask and them ask to them. follow up. Yes, that's, what, that's a great idea, Cobb. Yeah. Have the clinic talk to the residency program about uh, having a uh, resident. Okay, got it. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Are you there? I am right here. Yeah, welcome. Morning. I'd like my... I'd like my name left out of this, please. Sure. Um, Osteopathic training is more than equivalent to allopathic training. And osteopathic, um, having worked in both osteopathic and allopathic training, I know something about this. And I can tell you that osteopaths, most part are much more inclined toward family practice. They tend to be trained and perhaps even are generally inclined toward seeing the whole person and the whole life as what they're addressing rather than a specific Complaint. part of a body. Yep. Good. And as for um, their training is different also in that they have preceptorships throughout their student training. So before they're into rotations and specialties, they're having the opportunity to practice with a variety of physicians so that they get a better sense of the different ways of approaching patients all right, we'll get, we'll get a response from our... I have one yeah. last comment, which is I would recommend that Adventists focus on recruiting osteopaths because they are more inclined toward family practice. And 
because there seems to be a proclivity for willingness to practice in rural areas. Very good. Okay, good idea. We discussed that coming over, that yeah. you do it. You did everything I do, plus. Yeah, I agree um, with everything you said. <laughs> but... Um, uh, one of the reasons that I chose uh, the osteopathic uh, path was because of the whole mind, whole body thing. I do think that, you know, like we were talking about, that it's gotten to become, it's become more, um, you know, where the lines are blurred a little bit in allopathic and osteopathic medicine. Um, but yeah, the whole reason that I got into it was I loved the idea of the whole body, whole, you know, person. And I liked that I got to learn an extra skill set. But I do think that, you know, I was telling you in the car that I had a DO that I shadowed who was teaching doctoring classes and empathy classes at USC, you know, so I think that the lines are starting to blur as, yeah. as the generations understand that we need whole medicine everywhere, you know? Yeah, I was shocked that she took empathy classes in medical school. I would have never... Well, but I think, like you say, now they're doing it at UCS, UCS yeah. also. Uh, we do have a caller waiting. Uh, before we move on, I just want to check in because something that I've heard over the course of our interviews is that doctors get a fairly minimal amount of training in nutrition... I got as none. a DO, did you get more training in nutrition? Or? As a DO, all the training in nutrition that I got, I had to seek out on my own. And we had a track called Lifestyle Medicine, which yeah. I chose to do because um, I wanted to get a little bit more, uh, just like a little bit more basis on nutrition and where I can, you know, get resources right. for nutrition. And it seemed, well, I'm going to take this call here. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Is that me? Yep. <laughs> um, hi, I just, I'm very curious to know, um, because it, the Adventist system has all three hospitals in the county, they do not offer the full range of reproductive care because they're a religious organization. They will not provide abortion services. So I'd like to know um, what you both think about this and what remedies there are for this, and I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. All right. You know, I, I'm ignorant enough. I'm not uh, smart enough on the topic to discuss it. I really, that has not been an issue for me as an ER doc internist. Do you have any? Um, idea? Yeah, I have not had my OB GYN rotation, so I'm not really sure what um, the resources are for at Adventist Health, so I really wouldn't be able to speak to that. But I think that, you know. To my knowledge, we do DNCs and stuff. Yeah. So and, uh, I would have to, you know, give but, back to somebody. So, and our previous guest was the president, right? Of the, he would have been someone who yeah. could have spoke to that. Right. Maybe you can follow up okay. and find out that answer okay. for a future show. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that question, though. Yeah, um, going so, along that question, I I am shocked that there aren't more people getting IUDs. Can you explain? You know, because to me, a young, you know. Um, my experience with women getting these implants and taking pills, et cetera, et cetera, versus getting an IUD implant, which they do in people that haven't had babies yet, which used to be an issue many years ago. Um, but then you're not 
you don't worry about a pregnancy for five to seven years. Um, but you haven't done your OB-GYN rotation I haven't yet. done my OB-GYN, but, in the, you know, I think it's just, honestly, I know that copper IEDs were, like, the most highly recommended. I think the Nexplanon has just, bec- or, you know, the implant has, it's all, I think it's almost more just, like, what's in favor at the time. You know, and I think that it's so easy. You put it in. Right. There's no, like, it's not invasive in any way. Yeah, you don't get a shot every You're not, three months. Yeah, and you can just, you don't have to remember to take a pill. So I kind of think that's why people are maybe leaning more towards that. But I do believe that people still do get the IUD. It's yeah. just well, choosing whether or not you're going to do birth control. Right, I guess it's your decision one. how you want to. Do. I'm going to put my own personal okay. opinion in here, okay. too, just based on my experience in this show. But as a male with a male body, I just want to put out there, you know, vasectomy is an option because IUD is not an option for male bodies, but it's really easy for men to take that responsibility. It's a very minimal procedure also. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I agree If you're older and don't want to have kids, vasectomies are great. In fact, they say those are up 30% since Roe versus Wade has been banned. Great on on men with male bodies. Yeah, that's really good to hear. (laughs) So, So having said that, too, we know from doing this show that Planned Parenthood is an excellent resource for all manner of reproductive health education, not just abortions, but they have a program based in Ukiah that you can look up on the internet and they'll have a lot of answers for people, a lot of education resources. Yeah, and their office is right across the street from the hospital. Right. um, Moving along, and we only have 10 minutes left to go, so we do have another caller uh, with a question. And if you're wanting to get in with your question before the show's over, the number to call is 707-895-2448. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. This is an absolutely wonderful conversation between three doctors. Thank you so much for making it possible for us to listen. Um, this is um, a mother of seven. I've had two abortions also, one when I was 18 and one when I was 30. Uh, three kids I've had at home because of um, my concerns, but I'd like to know how um, we don't have a birth center in Fort Bragg. We don't have one in Laytonville or in Covalo, so women in labor are being asked to drive long distances unless they choose to have a midwife at home. So one of my concerns is, um, you know, emergency child care, you know, for, for, for birthing. The other thing is, do we have hot hot springs? I went to Corbin Hot Springs. I had a broken arm a month ago on August the 5th, and it's now September the 10th. My arm is healed. I only went once, but I soaked for several hours in hot tubs with mineral water where it made champagne on your legs, like bubbles all over. And I think it, it helped to heal, and I also used comfrey and um which is a bone knit tea and how do you feel about how, how, there are a lot of medicine plants in the in the woods around here i'm um Caller, uh, i'm going to interrupt you and, so we can get know. answers in good time to those three questions uh which i'm going to help us out here a little bit when was the OBGY and question again and the next would have been um uh, healing of healing? healing yeah healing using hot water hot springs I can tell you the OBJ question is very hard they don't have that service at Fort Bragg anymore and are struggling with the hospital there just because there's not enough RNs 20% of RNs have quit over COVID and the hospital itself just providing the emergency room and the regular 
hospital services at Fort Bragg are difficult and they couldn't pull off the OB unit. And so that's why there isn't one in Covalo or Willits or Fort Bragg. It's an ongoing challenge yeah. from what I recall. Um, I guess I can speak to the healing part one. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, the whole title of the show is Mind Body Health. I think that, you know, it's not medicine. It's not just, you know, you have to follow medicine or you have to do, you know, Chinese therapies or other alternative therapies. I think it's all something that functions together. So whatever you can do to help, you know, whatever ailment you have, medicine is there to help. You know, healing waters are there to help, OMM, mm. whatever it is. And I think it's all collectively something that, you know, can help patients together. Uh, well, we have just a few minutes. I, I have a question for you about your education. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you shifted somewhat later in life than normal into pursuing your your doctor education. And I wonder if you could just outline briefly what that pathway was and how much work it was and how much time it took for anyone who's out there of a, of a similar age to you that might be interested to know what that looks like and, and how achievable that is. Sure. I mean, you can achieve whatever you want, really. You know, you just have to be willing to take, keep going and not give up. And I think for me, it was more just the tenacity that of me not ever giving up of what my goal was you know and but my path it was de definitely difficult um i you know i wasn't naturally good at science and math so it wasn't like i was doing you know what i was good at so i had to really work hard to understand all you know get through everything but it was the drive that i had that kept me going and it did take a while but that was because I was working full time so my path took about um, I believe it was like six or seven years to finish undergrad because I was working full time and I just decided you know to pick a biology as my degree since I already had all this art background and just to see if I could do it and it worked you know and wasn't easy but I did it and then um, what I did was a very circuitous path and I kind of chose what medical school I wanted to go to and tried to figure out how to get in there but what I can say to others is that you know it's more of if you have that drive just keep stick with it you know even if you're chipping away at it little by little you have that goal you know keep it there in your you know in your field of view and that's kind of what drives me you know that's what drove me to continue and you know i'm here what, yeah. what age were you when you decided to pursue this i was actually at 30 yeah, yeah. i was 30 so, so i was in my career and i was happy but then i just kind of had a calling and and i did a 360 spin and you know just kept going with it i find that really cool and inspiring so thanks for sharing that i mean it really sets up a lot it's, of possibility for people to make new yeah. decisions even though they feel like they're later in even life you're or at something the elderly age of 30 yeah change yeah. we do have a caller that's been waiting oh lost them so we have just a few minutes left but if you want to call back and you have a question for either of our guests on the mind body health show uh, the number to call is 707-895-2448, and we'll have about a minute to take one more call. Um, 
And yeah. if you want to contact Dr. Flores, 467-5252, 467-5252. She's going to be here the next three years. And if you want a good primary care doctor, give her I have, And I have another question. Uh, certainly there are those who relate to not wanting to go get see a doctor or get a doctor's appointment. So what is that process to just get started for people that are reluctant to even get involved with the medical system and they're hearing you and they're feeling like, hey, this person, like, I might actually yeah. seek them out as a doctor. What do they do? Call that phone number. Call that phone number. Yeah, that's so, a residency phone number. Okay. Yep. So will you say it one more time? Four six seven five two five two. Or someone can walk into their local clinic and say I want to see a doctor. Is that the first well, step for someone? You know, someone? there's a very good set of family uh, FQHC clinics in Mendocino County. Point Arena, Covalo, Fort Bragg, Ukiah, mm-hmm. Willits, Boonville. And those are very good local clinics that you can go to and see primary care. Um, then if you want to do something different and see Dr. Flores, call that number. Right. And so a person can literally walk in off walk, the street and say, hey, yeah. I'd, I've never had a doctor before, and, and now see I'm any ready. And see one of those clinics or come to Ukiah. Got it. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Hi, this is Abercadabra. I'm calling because uh, I chose several years ago since I do... Um, Healthcare body work in the in the Boonville area. I chose to go with another uh, primary care physician out of the area, just for confidentiality purposes. And so I went up to Cloverdale, where they had three out of five doctors were osteopaths. Um, and I, I came from uh, childhood care that was mostly osteopaths and chiropractors. And um, uh, so I was very impressed with the fact that I was able to see osteopaths pretty much locally. However, there's been kind of a gutting of the rural health care systems, and the last time I went up there to get care, all five doctors were gone, and they had a nurse practitioner running the clinic. Uh, took me six or eight months to get a referral, um, and uh, th- since then, I guess I've hired one more doctor. He's an MD, but I was so disappointed when uh, that's the reason I went there was for the osteopathy care, and um, then it was pretty much gutted. Um, do you have any comments about that in the rural health care systems, how they're um, kind of taking away those services? I don't think it's so much people are taking away the services as people aren't going into the practice in rural areas. I think a lot of, you know, um, the average graduate of medical school is $250,000 in debt. And people look at that and say, oh, Kaiser will hand me a check for a quarter million dollars if I mm-hmm. sign up for seven years with them. Oh, I think I'll go do Kaiser. And the other thing is the specialty care. There's so many people that are going into specialty care and not primary care. And you're working at the Covalo Clinic right yeah, now. Yeah, two days a week, Thursday and Friday, I'm at the Covalo Clinic. And if you're a primary care doctor, come come, give me a call. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've just moved to the rural area, so I'm not really sure what, you know, like, I don't really have anything to say about that, you know, in terms right. of, yeah. Um, but well, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so if you could just reintroduce yourself, because we have a, about a minute to go. And just tell people your name and how to get a hold of you. 
Um, yeah, so my name is Arlene Flores, and um, I don't know, even know my number, yeah, so I'm going to need you. Four six seven five two five two. here. Right. But she's in the residency program. She's finished medical school and is going to be here three years, getting three years of education to be board certified in family practice, just like I got board certified in internal medicine. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you both for the show today. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.